Good morning. The scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 to 3, verse 3. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and, that, and what we will be has not yet been made known to us. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pause. Just pause and pray again. Lord, your word has the power to impart life, and we pray that that, that would happen this morning, that your Holy Spirit would take your word bring life to us from it. Amen. One of the really amazing promises of the gospel is that whenever anyone turns to God trusting in Jesus, God adopts that person into his family. They they become God's daughter, they become God's son, God himself becomes their father. It's, it's, as if, um, it's as if they've been born again into a new family. Like they are members of the family of God now. This summer we're studying the book of 1 John, and this portion of 1 John that we're looking at today describes three changes that happen for us the moment we come into God's family. The, very, the moment you trust in Christ, you enter the family of God, uh, these three things instantly, permanently change for you. Well, you're asking what changes. One, one thing, one thing that changes when you enter the family of God, one thing that changes is who you are. In other words, um, the, the core of your identity as a person is different now. Now, in... Uh, in modern societies, like the one that we live in, in modern societies, a person's identity is very often a, a, a tied to their abilities and their accomplishments. That's kind of how we find our place in, in society, how we get our, often our sense of self-worth. People will ask you questions like, what do you do for a living? Where did you go to school? What um, marketable skills do you have? What sports are you good at? We think this way because in, in, in modern societies, identity is it's tied to accomplishment. But in traditional societies, like the one into which John wrote this letter, I, a person's identity is not so much based on their abilities, not so much based on their accomplishment. In, in a world like that, a person's identity is primarily based on their family background. So the question that people would ask in a traditional society is not, where did you go to school? It's, who's your father? You from a rich family? You from a poor family? 
Are you from a common home? Or are you from an, an important line of people? It, so identity in a world in, like the one into which John wrote these, these words, identity was based on one's family background. Now, a reality that was faced in the early church was the fact that in, in the early days of Christianity, most believers did not come from important families. Just kind of a, a commonly known historical fact that Christianity began primarily as a movement among the lower classes of society. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. So this was a reality they faced in the early days of Christianity. Many, many Christians did not come from important families, which means that even though their world was very different, it means that many of them struggled with the same kinds of issues that many of us struggle with today. Let me ask you, do you ever, do you ever struggle with feelings of self-worth? Do you ever st struggle with wondering about your own identity? Do you, do you ever, do you ever uh, feel, for example, that you're, you're not good enough? Maybe you feel like there's something just fundamentally wrong with you. You, you, you don't quite fit in. You don't, you're not sure you measure up. You're thinking, you know, maybe if I could just lose a few more pounds, then, then I'd be okay. Or maybe if I were just married, then I'd be acceptable. Maybe if I just could get a better job, then people would look up. You ever, you ever feel that way? Listen, if you've ever felt like that, you understand what many Christians in the early church felt because of the families they came from. And so in this passage, the apostle is writing to them, and he's saying to them, listen, beloved, listen. Our identity is different now. It's changed. It doesn't matter what the world has always thought about you. It doesn't matter even what you feel about yourself. He says to them, verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, dear friends, now we are children of God. See, you can't possibly think of a more important family than that, Right? He says, now we are children of God. Middle of verse 1, he says, that is what we are. So when you turn, he, he's just saying that, guys, when you turn to God, you trust in Jesus, you're welcomed into his family, who you are changes. It's he, sort of, you could say you have a new status now. And the, here's the beautiful thing about that new status. Your status in God's family is not something that you earned it's not something that somehow you, you worked your way into deserving, and that's, what, that's why the Father loves you. And, and this, is, this is what's so beautiful, because, you know, in some, in some earthly families, some dads don't do a very good job loving their kids, so the love is always conditional. I love you if you make the varsity team. I love you if you get straight A's. I love you if you get into a good college and you make me proud. Listen, it's not that way in the family of God. If it, and here's why it's wonderful. If your status as God's dearly loved child were somehow based upon what you've done or, or what, how you've been performing, you would always in the back of your mind have this fear that somehow, somehow you'd lose that status if, you're, if you don't perform well enough. But John says in God's family, it's not like that. He, he's, he says your identity 
as a dearly loved child of God. It's not a status you earned. It's a status that the Father has bestowed upon you. And the reason he did it is nothing more, nothing less than his infinite love for you. He says in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, see, notice how he says see? Like, guys, stop and look at this. See what great love the Father has given, what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and, and that is what we are. So he's saying, listen, he's saying, believer in Christ, every time you walk into the room, your Father smiles. Every, every time he hears your voice, his heart swells with pride for you. And it's not based on what you've done or what you feel or how you've performed. It's based on this amazing, infinite love. Your identity has changed. You're a child of God. So here's what that meant to the first people who read these words from the apostle. It means the same thing for us today. Here's what it means. And teens, listen to me. This means you never have to prove anything to anyone ever again. You've got nothing to prove. You don't have to make the team. You don't have to pass the test. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to fit in. Isn't that good news? You're a child of God now. It, this is one thing that changes, and it's, it really is amazing. You join the family of God. One thing that changes is who you are. Now, everyone in the world may not recognize that. They may not stand up and salute every time you enter the room. John says, that's okay. The world doesn't recognize who you are. He says, he says, fooey on the world. Who cares what they think? He says, if the world doesn't know us, it doesn't matter. They didn't know Jesus either. All right? So don't worry about that. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about what people think. Believer. You're a child of God. By the way, if you're not a believer, everything I'm saying today, everything I'm, I'm describing that believers enjoy, it's offered to you. You could just have it like that by asking. So you join the family. One thing that changes is who you are. Second thing that changes is where you are headed. You see, you, you come into God's family, not only do you get a new identity, you are, you're also given a new destiny. If you look at this short passage, you'll notice that three times here, John talks about the appearing or the coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 28, he says, when he appears. And then again, he says, uh, at, at his coming. And then in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, when Christ appears. And what he's talking about, they all knew what he was talking about because they heard this. This was like the very, some of the first news they heard about the gospel. It's this wonderful, wonderful hope of the Christian faith. And that is this. Guys, our Savior promised that someday he will come back into this messed up world again. And it won't be messed up anymore because he'll be here. We don't know what that's going to be like. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that, that when Christ returns, those who've died believing in Christ will be raised again and they will have uh, new transformed resurrection bodies. Those who are still alive and believing in him when he comes back, will, they'll be given their resurrection bodies without having to pass through death. Philippians chapter 3 says, our citizenship 
is in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? People talk a lot these days about who's got documents and who's undocumented. You know what? In the family of God, we're all citizens. Citizens of where? It says our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That's where we're headed. That's what's going to happen. And don't you, don't you wonder what that's going to be like? What are you going to be like? John says, I don't know. He says in verse 2, Dear friends, now we're children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So even the apostle says, you know what? I don't even, I, don't ask me what it's going to be like. I don't know. And it, that should kind of just relieve a burden. Isn't it wonderful that we don't have to have all the answers to everything? Even the apostle said, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to look like or be like. You'll be like Jesus. If he had seen that old men's warehouse commercial, he'd say this to you. You're going to like the way you look, right? You're going to like it. So now that we're in God's family, here's what's, what has changed. is not just who you are. What's changed is where you're headed, what he has in store for you. And, and listen, the Bible would tell us that that thought, the thought that Jesus is coming back and he has something amazing in store for us, guys, that thought is supposed to bring deep, deep comfort to our hearts. It may be, uh, it may be that someone here, you have a lot of sorrow in your heart. It's just always there. Everywhere you go, sorrow and grief over um, a believing loved one of yours that's passed away. And, and, and you're just hurt because... She's gone. You're hurt because he's gone. Or, or maybe someone else, it's not sorrow in your heart. You, you carry deep fear in your heart because there's a really um, scary disease that's lurking in your body, and you don't know what it's going to do to you. you. You know what Jesus said about that kind of sorrow, that kind of fear? It's normal to feel those things. But he said to us in John 14, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. So if you've trusted in Christ, listen, you're in the family. That changes who you are. It changes where you're headed. And one more thing. John would say this changes the way you are to be living right now, what you're to be doing with your life and how you're to be approaching, approaching life. And John, John, in fact, he says that um, knowledge that you're in the family of God should change the way you live in three regards. It, it should change the way you live in relation to Christ. It should change the way you live in relation to others. And if this makes any sense, it should change the way you live in relation to your own self. So let me break that down. First, in relation to Christ, in verse 28, John says this. He says, and now, dear children, continue in him. That phrase, continue in him, is, it's translated different ways. One, one version of the Bible says, remain in him. 
Another version says, abide in him. One Bible translation says, stay one in your hearts with him. And another Bible, I love this translation. It puts it this way. Remain in happy fellowship with the Lord. So there's different ways to translate that phrase, but it's, it's always the same idea. What John, is, what John is telling you, Christian, is this. Stay close to Jesus. I trust you know what I mean, because if, if you're like me, there's been times in your life when you haven't stayed close to Jesus. And you, you know what it feels like when you kind of drift? Other things grab your attention. You start to stray from him. And, and so John is just saying, listen, if you've, if you've drifted, anyone here, have, have you drifted? John would say, if you've drifted from him, oh, he loves you so much. Why don't you come, come back close again? He's waiting. He'll welcome you. How do, how do you stay close to Jesus? I, I think Christians would say, well, here's some things. You, you just, you love him. You trust him. You rejoice in him. You, you talk with him in prayer. You ever do that? You, you, you meet with him in his word. You, you worship him with his church. It's just all these different things that you, you understand. These are the things that we do to say, Lord, I am so, I'm not happy. I've drifted. And if, I just want to be close to you again. That's, that's what the way John is telling us to live. He says, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed at his coming. So first he's talking about how we ought to be living right now in relation to Christ. Then he goes on, he talks about how we ought to be living now in relation to others. Uh, verse 29, he says this, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And it says we are to do what is right. And to us, it just kind of sounds like, you know, be a goody two-shoes. That's not what he's talking about. The phrase to do what is right, you could also translate that do justice. Those of you who read the Bible in Spanish, your, your Bible doesn't say everyone who does what is right. It says el que hace justicia, right? The ones who do justice. What does it mean to do justice in this world? Well, I, I would say this. It, it means Take active steps to implement the goodness of God in the lives of others who are in need. Take active steps to implement God's goodness in relation to the needs of others around you in the world. And just to give you a sense of where we're headed in a couple of weeks later in chapter 3, John is going to say, everyone who follows Jesus, you need to love your brothers and sisters. And he's going to say, don't just love them with your words. Love them with your actions. And he'll kind of spell out what he means. He says, this is what I mean. If, if, if you have a brother or sister who's hungry and you got extra food, feed them. You got a brother or sister who, 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 who needs some help and you got time to help them, help them. In other words, make a difference in this world doing justice, addressing injustices, addressing needs in an active way with the goodness of God. So we're in God's family. This changes the way we live in relation to Christ, but you want to stay close to him. In relation to others, we want to take steps to do uh, what is right with regards to them. And then finally, John says, the way we live right now should change, I don't know if this makes sense, change the way we live in relation to our own selves. The way we deal with very personal, private issues in our own lives. End of verse 2, John says, We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then in verse 3, look at verse 3. He says, All who have this hope in him 
purify themselves just as he is pure. So he's saying, Christian, purify yourself. Now, it's, it's striking that John would say that because in chapter 1 of this same letter, here's what John said. He said that if we walk in the light, meaning if we, if we, come, if we just come into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, he says if we walk in, in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. So he says, listen, Christian, the blood of Jesus purifies you. But here he says, and, that, and yet you still have a responsibility in some sense to be purifying yourself. What does that mean, purify yourself? When, uh, when we purify water, what do you do? You filter out all the dirt, right, all the bacteria, all the nasty stuff. You purify it. When they purify gold, I guess what they do is they burn off all the dross and all the minerals that aren't supposed to be there. So to purify something doesn't mean creating something that doesn't yet exist. Like you don't create water. You don't create the gold. It's already there. You just remove from it those things that shouldn't be there anymore. I think that's what it means to purify ourselves, just kind of with the Holy Spirit's help, filter out of our lives things that shouldn't be there. So what, this is pretty personal, isn't it? What would that look like for you? What are some things maybe you need to filter out? Some, some, somebody maybe, um, you just need to filter out that anger because let me tell you, you're a time bomb waiting to go off. And God's just saying, I, that's, that's not what I want for my children. We, we need to work on getting that out of you. Or maybe uh, some, someone else, it's a, it's a bad habit, and it used to bother you. It used to make you feel kind of ashamed, but then you just kind of gave up, said, well, this is me. And, and, and maybe today the Holy Spirit is saying, well, come on. Do you have any idea how much power I have for you? It's time to filter that out, that habit out of your life. Maybe somebody else, what, what you need to filter out would be a unforgiveness or a grudge. You know how, you, you know, I like to chew gum. You go through the whole day just chewing on gum. I love that. But so, may, maybe for you, it's not gum you're chewing on. You go through a whole day chewing on over and over and over again what she said, what he said, how he broke a promise, that what that person did to you, just chewing on it over and over, and God is saying, it's time. We need to filter this out. This is not making you happy. This is not glorifying me. We need to filter out that unforgiveness. So what, I don't know what it would be. It might be, listen, it might be someone here. You literally need to get a filter on your, on your internet. Have a friend enter the password so you don't say, don't tell me what that password is. I don't want to get around this. I'm just sick of these things being part of my life. I don't want those images anymore. So what, it's, it, this is very personal, isn't it? But whatever it might be, I, I think God, the Holy Spirit has a way of making it known to each one of us. If there's something that you need to filter out of your life, um, your father today, he loves you. You're his child. And he's just reminding you, I want you to do this. Now, here's, here's two things about that verse 3 of chapter 3 that, that helped me. It says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. It kind of helped me so that this didn't seem like too heavy of a burden. The, the first is to, when I learned that when it says purify yourself, the tense of the verb there is talking about ongoing, continuous action. This is, this is not something that God is expecting you can do 
like that. Like, all right, on, on, on July 22nd, 2018, I purified myself, and for the rest of my life, I'm pure. No, 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 that's not the tense of the verb. Wouldn't that be a heavy burden to carry? Well, the Apostle John is saying, this is something that you're going to have to do again and again, continuous action. So I would say, Christian, don't be surprised. And, and listen, don't be discouraged if, like, you repent of something today, and then you find out tomorrow you have to repent of it again, and then on Wednesday again, and then on Thursday again. Listen, don't, don't give up. That's, this is kind of the life God's calling us to, continually, every day, going before God and say, God, I'm not just going to settle for this. I'm, if I have to do this every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to be turning from this because I want this filtered out. It's not... It's not it kind of helped me to see that it's okay if this takes some time. And something else that helped me was to notice that what John says here ought to motivate us to seek after this kind of personal purity. What should, Christian, what should motivate you to want to be a pure man or to be a pure woman before God? Notice it's not fear. It's not fear. John, John, John does not say, all of those who are afraid of Jesus purify themselves so that when he comes back, he doesn't smack them with a stick. That's not what he says. It's not fear. Something very different. It's hope. He says all, all who have this hope in him purify themselves. Now, if, if you have a friend who doesn't know Jesus, he or she might ask you, why, why is it that knowing Jesus fills you with so much hope? What would you say? I'd say, because I know who he is. He's so beautiful. And I know that he loves me. And I know that he has my good at heart all the time. And I know that the work he's begun in me, he's, he's committed to carry it on to completion. I'm just filled with this hope of what God has begun to do in my life. That hope, not fear, that hope drives me to want to honor him. So... Are you in the family? If, if, you've, if you've never really turned to Christ and trusted in him, don't take this the wrong way because I don't want you to, but you're not in the family yet. That could change today. Isn't that something? Today could be the day where you say, you know, I'm just, I've been sitting on the outside looking in long enough. I'm ready to come home. And you could just, however it would work in your heart and in your words, say to God, God, I, I, I know that I've sinned against you, and I, and I hear this news again and again. Every week I come back to church, I hear this news that Jesus died to rescue sinners and bring them home into your family, and I want that. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. If, you, if you'd say that, if you would say that to God and really mean it today, like the doors to the house would spring wide open and the Father himself would usher you in, right? He'd welcome you home. Now, if you are in the family, who you are has changed. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. You're a child of God. And where, and where you're headed is different now. You, you, you're, you're not headed for doom and gloom. You're headed for glory. And, and what you're to be doing right now is different. It's a whole different assignment for life, isn't it? It's stay close to Jesus. 
do justice in the world, purify your life. This, this great sense of hope, right? Because someday we're going home. Let's pray. Help us to see, help us to behold again how great your love for us is, Father. You love to call us your children. You love to show off your kids, boast about us. You're so in love with us because of Christ. We thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.